Hey there. Before we start the show, check this out. The Seattle Now mug is back, ready for your hot beverage of choice. And you asked, we delivered. This batch is dishwasher safe. Pour a hot cup while you get caught up by donating $15 a month to support the show today. There's a link in the show notes. You make everything we do possible. So thanks. Hey, good morning. It's Patricia Murphy. It's Thursday. This is Seattle Now. After three and a half years, Seattle's Cinerama is back, under new ownership and with a new name. The movie theater's grand reopening is tonight with a showing of Wonka, a prequel to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, starring Timothy Chalamet. Chase Burns and Jazz Kaimig are here to tell us why this theater is so special and what its return means for Seattle's film scene. But first, let's get you caught up. Corporate Workers for Boeing's Commercial Airplanes Division will soon be required to return to the office five days a week. Boeing workers have been bringing their concerns to their union, the Society of Professional Engineering Employees in Aerospace. The mandate doesn't appear to apply to other departments like space or defense. Boeing says there isn't a deadline for the policy to take effect either, but the Seattle Times reports some employees have been told they'll be expected back in the office five days a week after the holidays. People gathered at the Evergreen State College in Olympia yesterday to remember a student who died in a suspected carbon monoxide poisoning. State Patrol, along with an outside firm, are investigating after 21-year-old Jonathan Rodriguez of DuPont died Monday in modular housing on campus. Two other students are hospitalized. More than 20 people die each year in our state from carbon monoxide poisoning on average, according to the Department of Health. Sources of the invisible gas include vehicles, lawn equipment, and furnaces. And the Kenmore City Council rejected a plan to build a large affordable housing project this week. It had been in the works for more than a year. The Urbanist reports the six-story building would have been open to veterans, seniors, and people with disabilities, some formerly homeless, all very low income. The plan was endorsed by the city manager. Public comment went on for four hours, mostly people saying it made them feel unsafe. In the end, the city council voted six to one against the plan, with some council members saying they needed more information to alleviate their concerns. Can we settle one thing before I read the lead? Cinerama or Cinerama? Oh, oh. oh Cine- I say Cinerama. I say Cinerama, but isn't it supposed to be Cinerama? See, I am a Jersey girl and everything is Rama in my oh. world. Maybe Futurama was the thing that forced me to say <laughs> Honestly, Cinerama. it's probably Futurama yeah, for me too. Yeah, for millennials. But you know what? It doesn't matter anymore because yeah. they already- called it. It may have a new name, but the theater many of us used to call the Cinerama is back. Kind of. It's been more than three years since the iconic theater wrapped up its showings of The Rise of Skywalker, the ninth Star Wars film, and closed its doors. At the time, its owners, the estate of the late Paul Allen, said the closure was for renovations. That was February 2020. Soon after, the COVID lockdown would cancel those plans. The theater stayed dark as Allen's estate prepared to sell off his property. Many in Seattle's film community were devastated that the theater, with its one-of-a-kind 100-foot screen, sat empty. 
That all changed this May when the Seattle International Film Festival announced it had bought the historic theater and renamed it SIF Cinema Downtown. A sellout crowd will follow the wafting scent of chocolate popcorn through the doors tonight to see Wonka on one of the last remaining Cinerama-branded screens in the world. We wanted to know what this moment means for Seattle's film scene, so we called up two of the city's biggest film nerds. Jazz Kaimig is an independent arts reporter and one half of Unstreamable, a column and movie screening series. Hey, Jazz. Thanks for having me on. And Chase Burns is here. Chase is the editor of The Ticket and the other half of Unstreamable. Hey, Chase. Hello. I'm excited to talk about movies. Yeah, me too. So before we get started, let's address the elephant in the room. Is anybody actually going to call this theater SIF Cinema downtown? No. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, I think culturally we're going to keep calling it Cinerama or Cinerama, however you pronounce that. But I have also found that if you like search like Cinerama Seattle, it'll forward to their page. Smart searching. And it says like formerly known as Cinerama. So it's like FKA Cinerama now. It's kind of cooler, I guess. Yeah. I I mean, I could see, you know, maybe SIF downtown sticking, you know, rather than SIF Cinema downtown. Because I know the Egyptian is Sif Cinema Egyptian. So maybe it's like, are you going to the downtown, you know? <laughs> or the big Sif. I the think I can see the, the big Sif. The big Sif. Are you listening? I love it. I love it. All right. Well, regardless of the name, people clearly have feelings about the space. There was huge outcry when it closed and lots of concern about the future. What makes this place so special? I've been in there. It's a big, cool movie theater. But beyond that, what is it? Well, I think it's a a really immersive experience, right? Like they have some of the highest tech available when it comes to watching movies. But I think, you know, historically, it's also been a place where people can see big first run features and then kind of special screenings of certain films. And it seems like that's a tradition that SIF is going to continue. So I think they kind of know exactly what it is that makes that space really special for moviegoers here. It's really developed a local kind of cult following, especially over the last 20 years. And I think the bigness of it is really important. It has almost a 100 foot screen. It's curved. They can screen um, 70 millimeter films that aren't digital. Um, So the experience is just gigantic in a way that I think all of our viewing experiences have become so small recently, my whole life, but especially in the pandemic, things have gotten smaller and smaller. And so to have a space that big that feels so local is something that is to be celebrated. Yeah, that's such a good point, because you're right. Our screens have gotten so small. It's such a big, large experience. Do you have a favorite memory, either one of you, of going there? I think the last time I went there was actually to see Avengers Endgame with Natalie Graham, who we both used to work at The Stranger together. And I think that's the only way I could watch a Marvel movie is just, you know, Thanos is literally right in front of my face. But when I was younger, my family would go to see like Lord of the Rings and kind of bigger features like that. I saw Apocalypse Now there. Um, Actually, for the first time, I hadn't seen Apocalypse Now until I saw it there. Um, And it was like the final cut. Um, And it was (laughs) like on 70 millimeter. And I just I'd never seen a movie that that was that clear. Obviously, it's a very violent movie. So it was kind of a tough experience. But it was a huge full movie theater and it just that was the way that movie and that cut should have been experienced and to have it here is like really world class yeah you know 
speaking from the sensory crowd, mm-hmm. I don't know if I could sit through yeah. Apocalypse <laughs> yeah. Now. I saw the middle Lord of the Rings movie uh-huh. at Cinerama, and it was too much. Yeah, I mean, that, that's an intense movie, too. Yeah. yeah. Didn't you just rewatch Two Towers? Yeah, I'm actually on a big <laughs> Lord of the Rings <laughs> rewatch right now. That's a great movie. They're great movies. Yeah. They're great movies. But my husband still makes fun of me. It's too much, Flint. Did you, did you <laughs> have to leave? I almost left. Okay. Like, I was tugging on my husband's shirt, like, it's too much. Yeah. It's the Eye of Sauron. It's <laughs> It's a lot. And it has middle movie syndrome, but that's a whole other show. You know, Cinerama had a very distinct identity under Paul Allen. Big sci-fi fantasy blockbuster destination for people. They even had costume displays on loan from Mopop. What about this new iteration? I think it's going to feel similar. At least I hope so, based on the indications that we've seen. I mean, obviously, they're bringing back the famous chocolate popcorn. um, And Sif is a good steward. I think what they've done with the Egyptian is wonderful. I love going to see movies there. And so it feels like the right organization to take it over. They obviously have a long history here. And they're also good about doing these big budget screenings, but they have this obviously art house sensibility. And so I'm excited to see how they program those two things next to each other. Yeah, I'm really excited to see like a niche Polish horror film (laughs) on on the big screen. And I think, I hope that they start programming like that for sure. Yeah, yeah, that would speak to the city. Yeah, You know, as we mentioned, Cinerama's been closed since May 2020. A lot has changed about how we show up in public spaces these days. Like a lot of in-person businesses, theaters were hit hard. So I... I want to ask you to what the scene looks like right now. How are we doing? Temperature check. We spoke with The Beacon down in Columbia City and Grand Illusion up here in the U District, and they both are reporting you know, pretty strong numbers. I think Grand Illusion said that 2023 was their best year yet. There's definitely you know, an appetite post-pandemic or whatever kind of phase that we're in right now for these in-person experiences. And like we have Barbenheimer, right? So like those big kind of movie events. But I think Seattle is also home to a lot of really thoughtful, interesting uh, movie programming. And I guess people are really biting on to that too. Yeah. And we reached out to SIF before coming on today too. And they were saying like, obviously the numbers right now are not what their pre-pandemic levels were, but they're really seeing a growth ever since reopening in 2021. And uh, Barbie, which opened over the summer, obviously, um, was, they said their second highest attended opening that they've had ever. Actually, their first highest attended <laughs> opening, they said, was another Greta Gerwig movie. It was Lady Bird. Wow. So Seattle loves Greta Gerwig, which is cool. But so there is Obviously, there is a hunger for going back to movies, I think, especially for big experiences. Mm -hmm. And then the smaller experiences, like the Beacons audience that they've been able to grow. It's a really small theater. Speaks to how there's kind of like a new audience growing that does want to see something a little bit more curated, a little smaller. Um, The SIF's movie club is also doing really well. Those screenings tend to just like sell out at SIF Uptown. So there is a real community here that can support a large theater. Yeah. And some of them are saying that it's even skewing younger, too. So it's not just, you know, older folks going to go see movies. I think it's like, you know, this young letterboxed set maybe want to add to their, you know, social media or whatever. But I mean, hey, they're seeing stuff. So that's great. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking about like the bigger theaters like Thornton Creek and AMC. Where does something like SIF fit into those? Well, I think in some ways like SIF 
cinema downtown <laughs> is going to just be a gigantic space. So it's it's in many ways bigger than that. So and it has this local identity. But I'm not really a snob. I am a part. I'm a Regal member. Um, I go <laughs> I go to Regal downtown uh, actually all the time. It's still open. Um, I go there mostly for the seats. I will say. Um, and the bigger cinemas like uh, Regal and like AMC have really sort of pushed these membership programs um, where you pay like $21, $22 a month and you can go as often as possible. Obviously, smaller cinemas, they don't really have the finances to be able to do a program like that. Um, but I think that the bigger cinemas are sort of filling that need for some people who maybe are used to paying, you know, however much Netflix is. They're like, well, I could pay five more dollars a month and just go see movies in a theater as much as I want. I think there's room for everyone. Obviously, if you can choose to support a local cinema, do that first. I think most of the smaller theaters are also like comparable in ticket price. Mm-hmm. And definitely their concessions are cheaper, too. So it yeah. feels even better to, <laughs> yeah. to support yeah. local. Yeah. I remember during 2020, people were writing the eulogies yeah. around movie theaters. People were like, movie theaters are dead. And what I was seeing locally was that was not necessarily true. I think obviously, you know, something like like Regal, they're going through bankruptcy. And so they're, they have their own financial problems. But what we were seeing, especially in smaller cinemas, is that people were ready to go out and have these experiences with local people that they trusted. And so I, I think for art house cinemas or something like SIF that has a connection to the community, none of them are saying it's like bleak. Like when we reached out to people, no one's saying we think movies are over and we're going to be closing up shop in the next year. But they are saying that they're still struggling. Most people fell out of the habit of going to see movies and obviously the strike impacted releases and so it's been a slow start but we're getting to a point where I feel like people are comfortable and they're starting to go out again. You gonna go see Wonka this weekend? I couldn't get tickets to yeah. go on Thursday, <laughs> but I am I am going um, because I probably wouldn't have seen Wonka, to be honest, if Sif hadn't screened it. It was not a movie I was that excited about, but because it's at Sif Cinema downtown, I, I will be going. Yeah, and early reviews are, are actually pretty good. I was kind of doubtful for sure because the original is like one oh, of my favorite my gosh, movies yes. of all time. But, you know, I do love Timmy C., Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> I think he gets a lot of hate for no reason. He's a great actor. Uh, and it sounds like all the reviews are saying he really transforms and has a lot of fun. So I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> yeah. I know. I will say when I first heard the news, I was like a little disappointed. I was like confused. Totally. I was like, why Wonka? And then I was like, oh, the chocolate popcorn. And then when I saw the initial reviews and I learned more about the production, I was like, this is a, a bold choice for them. But I think it could pay off. Yeah. And I think it's the type of movie that will pull in people. I mean, they've obviously seen it. And so I trust their taste. And I don't think they'd open with a flop. Okay. Well, you both have opinions here. So if you could pick a film to see at SIF Cinema Downtown, any movie, what would it be? I would choose Legend, a Ridley Scott film. And it has like a really young Tom Cruise in it. Uh, It also has Tim Curry as the devil. I used to watch this film on repeat when I was a child. And I think it informed me in a lot of ways. Uh, But it's a big fantasy picture. And I would love to see like a caked up Tim Curry, you know, on that 100 foot curved screen. 100%. All right. right. I would go and see the two towers. Um, I I would go and see the whole like Lord of the Rings trilogy. I spent a lot of time watching those movies when they came out, and I have not rewatched them in like ten years or five years. So I would go sit down for that whole trilogy. It's something that I would like almost be like if they programmed one on Friday, one on Saturday, one on Sunday. I would just commit to it and do that type of an event because that's what that space feels like it's for. It's for big events. Yeah, and I think like especially with longer films, like being in a place um, like Sif's 
cinema downtown. It's just it feels really cush, yeah. you know, and and swanky. And you're like, you know what? Yeah, let me post up here for three and a half hours watching Aragorn, you know, <laughs> like climb down and like murder a bunch of orcs. Like that's exactly what I want to do there. I will meet you for the first and third film. That Chase, great. perfect. <laughs> Jazz Kaimig, independent arts reporter, and Chase Burns, editor of the Ticket at the Seattle Times Company. Both producers of the Unstreamable column and movie screening series. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. See you at the movies. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Seattle Now. Today's episode was produced by Claire McGrain. The last film she saw at Cinerama was Blade Runner 2049. Our production team also includes Caroline Chamberlain Gomez, Jenny Cecil Moore, and Bon Jones. Matt Jorgensen does our theme music. Seattle Now and KUOW Public Radio are members of the NPR Network. It's an independent coalition of public media podcasters. You can find more shows in the network wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Patricia Murphy. See you tomorrow.